I traded my level three Pokemon cards for for a GIF. It's fine. She gave me a real nice GIF. Yeah, but see, the worst part is like I can actually see someone being like, "Here, you want this GIF?" You know, like an actual GIF of something, and you're like, "Wow, this GIF is, is super currency." Awesome. What if we pronounce it as, uh, as the creator intended as GIF? See, but GIF is like a peanut butter. Choosing moms choose GIF. Yeah, no, and like that's what makes no sense. I'm like, how is that not copyrighted, sir? It's because he used a G. And not a J. Yeah, that's super outrageous. All right. Matt, we're actually going to start now. And uh, are we ready for baseball now? We are beginning. And the pitch. And a drive. Deep right field. There goes Jose. And back and gone. Another home run for Jose Ramirez. Who's on first? Definitely Sandy Eleanor. No, who? Who is on first? Oh, that would be Carlos Santana. No, who is on first? I understand the joke that you're making, but I'm nuking your joke with my great references to Cleveland Indians players. Notice he didn't say great references to great Indians players. Oh, this team is awesome. So I don't know what your pirates have been doing, but like you let me know. Well, Andrew McCutcheon on Twitter said that he wasn't growing his dreads back out. So, Well, that's it. He's getting traded. <laughs> He said in the time it would take him to grow his dreads back out that he'd probably be retired. Yep, trade that sucker for a fifth round MLB pick, which means you get a high school player. Okay, sorry. Welcome to Ohio... Welcome to Ohio's Very Own, uh, a podcast where some nerds talk about theology and other such things. Um, to my right, I have Mr. John Hogan. Hello. In front of me, I have our producer and Canadian perspective correspondent, Matthew Burroughs. Hey. And I am Dustin McMillan. Welcome and thanks for listening. Are you expecting a response? Yeah, I was, <laughs> was waiting for the audience to respond. I think we need a laugh track. Can we, can we make that possible? Like, can we get a laugh track? Well, we need to create it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. We got our laugh track. Go. Great. With that awkward guy clapping in the back, like we're gonna have to go. <laughs> Some natural sound for that, you know? Like we're just gonna be natural soundboard on that one. So, uh, last week we introduced a new segment called Matt's Big Question. That was a pause for him to put in Matt's Big Question theme. Matt's Big Question. So, Matt, what's your big question? So, podcasts are interesting because I don't know if you go through uh, a podcast feed. The first podcast that someone has is probably their like the one that they want to people listen to the least because that's just where they kind of threw down a bunch of ideas and like hey let's let's record a podcast and so i feel like as we move more and more towards the eschaton Ooh. <laughs> we uh we develop our podcast into something not only our viewers like more but we like more so matt's big question is changing Ooh. After one week of its existence. 
awesome. Kind of it's like, still going to be called right. Matt's Big Question because we have the, the theme thing, so I, I don't want to have to record another one. <laughs> so Matt, Matt's Big Question is going to stay, um, but it's actually going to be <laughs> sort of like Matt's Big Logic Puzzle instead of Matt's Big Question. I like this more. Um, last week was great. Uh, you guys did great. Uh, wasn't that impressed though? Thanks. But I'll be honest. I love as, you too. as the as the maker of this this portion of the podcast, I was disappointed. Um, <laughs> it's not you. It's it's nothing against you. I, I think it, I'm taking it very very personally. <laughs> so, anyways, I love logic puzzles. Logic puzzles take like hours. So if you guys can't get anywhere in the first thirty seconds, then I'm gonna tell you the answer. No. Okay. Give us at least a minute. Okay. All right. Listening. This is Matt's big question. A man buys rice at $1 a pound from American growers and sells them at $0.05 a pound in India. As a result of this, he becomes a millionaire. How come? Would you like me to read it again? No. So, he's buying it for $1 a pound. Yeah. Selling it for $0.05 a pound. Our friend it's sponsored by Toilets. Toilets, when you really need to go and you don't really want an outhouse or a trench in your neighbor's backyard. Toilets. Our only recurring sponsor. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Toilets, keep that. Um, if he Thank sells it for toilets. five cents, are, are, we, uh, are we allowed to bring things to the table? Like, five cents in the United States currency is so much no. more in India. No. So, like, this isn't oh, one of those. Oh, see, that was my answer. One dollar American. For five cents American. For five cents American. Wow. Is it a... Di- I don't... He becomes a millionaire. Do I need to know more about India? No. <laughs> they, they like rice. So a man buys, buying it from himself? A man buys rice at $1 a pound from American growers and sells it at $0.05 cents a pound to India. As a result of this, he becomes a millionaire. How come? Is he big corporation? Yes. Is that the answer? No. Oh. <laughs> no, like, I meant like he, big corporation is corrupt and never mind. Okay. Wow, you uh, you threw a lot on that table. Um, yeah, Matt, we have no idea. Okay, so uh, normally I would make you keep going because I, I, I would, this is kind of sacrilegious to, to logic puzzles, but uh, it's fine. Um, so this man is a philanthropist who bought great quantities of rice to sell to poor people at prices oh. they can afford. He started out as a billionaire, but lost so much money in his good works that he became a millionaire. I hate that. Wow, that's uh, that's got, the, that's the wow. beauty of logic puzzles because as soon as you figure out the answer, you're like, I didn't even think about that. You know, logic that. puzzles have very logical answers. Like logically, I would never come to that answer. Yep. Spock would be furious. Maybe. Maybe he'd see all the logic in it. Stand for the flag. Kneel for the cross. There you go. There's, All right. There's your intro. So, Facebook has been uh, on fire with patriotism recently over recent protests in the sporting world uh, because people are stupid. I'm, bu- I'm people are. St- I'm sticking with people are stupid. <laughs> um, 
think it's just a lack of willing to see, like, all this anger over the protests um, in the NFL is a lack on one side in particular to see the side of those protesting. Um, if they took the time to understand and realize that these players aren't protesting the military, they're protesting the government and the institutional racism that exists, the systematic racism, and not those who fought and died um, for our country. What do you think, John? Very difficult it is. No. Um, I mean, okay. The problem with it is I don't know why we can't have both narratives. Because, like, okay, I get people who legit... Okay, okay. We have someone here on campus whose brother died in Afghanistan and takes very seriously the idea of standing for the flight. Yet at the same time, we also have people that have seen systematic oppression who legitimately feel like they should kneel. I don't see why... I don't see why, like, one side has to come out on top or the other. You know, like, like it's one of these things where it's like, look, if your experience is standing has meant something to you, then stand. If kneeling means something to you because if you go and you read why Kaepernick wound up doing kneeling it's actually a really interesting conversation that he had with military members who said look the best way to do this would be to kneel as opposed to sitting which he did before um so it's it's really interesting I think I actually I think I retweeted it on Twitter so if anyone follows me on Twitter that's awesome um however <laughs> shameless plug yeah see see what I did there um it, it's just it's so very interesting to me the way in which we embrace a one narrative idea when it's like the United States has never been a one narrative anything so it's just really interesting to me that we are the United States of America we've never been united on everything completely like, we change history to make it that way. You know, like, you would believe that, like, most of the country was anti-Vietnam. And, and you really had a serious undercurrent of people that were, but there were many who were not. If you could uh, highlight one point in time that we were the most united, when do you think that would be? When do I think that would be? Yes. Man, I mean, you, you almost have to go back perhaps, <laughs> perhaps as a country, the things that we were most unified around. I, the first one that comes to mind is World War II. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Okay. You know, the, the Revolutionary War is not a united war. It is many different people fighting for many different causes. You even have Abraham Lincoln, who in the second term, they didn't think he was going to win a second term. Because they had such an undercurrent of pro-peace and, and anti-war sentiments towards the end of the Civil War. So to say that our country has ever been completely united is just not a narrative that historically holds much water. World War II is one of few examples, but I think that's because, number one, FDR was very good with rhetoric. But also, you know, we, we were almost 
not even almost. It was an unprovoked attack. I think we're also very much united because comic books were advertising war bonds. And so you saw Superman and Captain America punching Hitler. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in because I knew it. Want to throw that well, in? Well, you're just like it's. It was in all forms of yeah communication and media, right? Like sure, that was much more elegant than what I had to say. No, I you provide the example. I provided the explanation. Cool. It's just I I don't know. It, it, it's that multiple narrative. Like why can't we just have space for both? Because I just, I mean, okay, shameless plug here. Being the editor of... J underscore Thon. <laughs> but being the editor for the news section of our student publication, you know, one of one of the things is that I have to have conversations with people about controversial subjects. And one of the things that I just got done having a conversation with someone a couple... Well, earlier today, um, you know, she talks about how her, her dad's a police officer. And so when people kneel, that means something to her, but it means something negative. And then you talk to a different person um, who is black, who has been told all of her life that white people got it better than she did, and kneeling makes sense to her. I don't know why we can't protect both and why we can't have an equity of opinion. Because eventually, like, I think people get caught up in the idea that, like, we have to have a united perspective. I think you always need a dissension. I think you always need an undercurrent. And I think you always need to, without an undercurrent, it's very easy to get where we get with McCarthyism. Because we're like, oh, communism is evil. Yeah, communism was not awesome. Like, don't hear me com- say communism was awesome. But when you are that devoted to a single ideal and a single narrative, you can do things like HUAC. You can do things like McCarthyism. You can create red scares. You can ruin people's careers. You can blacklist people. You can ruin lives because somehow you see that the majority thinks that this is always justified. And, like, I'm convinced we are not 100% ever right on everything in our most unified times as a country your example World War 2 I think my example would be post 9-11 even in those moments there are things very wrong with our country Um, sometimes on a governmental level sometimes on a citizenship level Um, World War 2 we had uh Camps where we sent Japanese Americans uh, without much cause other than they were Japanese. Post 9 11, if you saw someone in a turban, you might throw racial slurs at them, uh, even not realizing that they're not Muslim, they're, they're Sikh. Sikh yeah. <laughs> um, but going off a stereotype of Middle Eastern people, um, oppressing them post 9 11 because they're not like you. Um, and I think um, that all plays into the uh, oppression that is being protested on uh, Sundays. Um, and I think it. I think we've gotten to a point in our. I think it's always been there. Actually, I don't think we've gotten to a point. I think our country has always been idle. Idle. Hmm. 
idolized. Um, and we put it up there right with our religion. Uh, religion and patriotism go hand in hand. Um, sometimes one uh, patriotism taking uh, the top spot, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, it sucks that more people aren't interested in civil discourse. It really does, because we could get so much further uh, if we just embrace that. John, I loved your... Well, I love what you said um, about this. Um, I liked it more than I thought I would. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, though, this isn't a question for you at all. This is just continuing. Um, it, you know, these football players, they're kneeling. Um, no problem with it at all, obviously. I'm not even American. <laughs> so, I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, not a Canadian team yet. 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 Watch out, Buffalo. Toronto Bills, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, they're kneeling to protest the current state of uh, equality. And, the, you know, the, the things aren't what they should be. And, and my question is, so are you going to keep kneeling? How long are you going to be kneeling for? Like, because things are never going to be as they should be. Right. Which sucks. Maybe. I've really appreciated, like, the kneeling for nothing other than bringing awareness to the the fact that <laughs> it's 2017, guys. This is still going on. I'm still not being treated like you. Right. So maybe once once we can come to a place where the leadership can have uh, can have some some sort of conversation about this, um, and 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 do something about it, maybe that's when the the quote unquote kneeling can stop. I don't know. Well, I know with it's funny that the poster child of this whole kneeling movement uh, isn't even currently in the NFL. Uh, but that's beside the point. Um, for a player, like Colin Kaepernick in particular, um, he, he didn't just kneel. He's also very active in giving to charity and giving back to um, those that experience this kind of oppression. So not only is he kneeling and raising awareness, but he's also trying to do something. He's doing something to help those that have experienced and continue to experience um, what he's trying to raise awareness to. Um, I'm sure he's not the only player that does that, um, but there are um, people, maybe not in the NFL, but in lower levels of sport, that I question their mo- I, I question their motivation for kneeling. Um, there was an example of a of two high school boys in Texas that kneeled during the national anthem and were told to take their jerseys off on the sideline um, right before the game started and that they were off the team. Um, that's unfortunate that that happened, um, that these players that were protesting, maybe what they have experienced, what others are experiencing, um, were kicked off a team for something I think they have the right to do. But were they and other high school players that kneel um, doing it 
with good and true intentions or because they saw their favorite NFL players doing it? I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. Back to your thought about when does the kneeling stop? Um, that's why I started talking about calling, giving back, and things like that. Yeah. Um, maybe you stop kneeling when more people do what Kaepernick does. Um, and they don't just kneel. Uh, they don't just raise awareness, but they do something about it. You mean the, like the protesters, the, the people who are kneeling? Not just the protesters. But like the leadership. The protesters the doing something about it are a good start, but maybe owners and eventually legislation and things like that. That's the reason we raise awareness, so something can be done about it. Um, that's why they wear pink in October in the NFL. Raise awareness uh, so people can raise money for breast cancer research. Um, uh, I don't remember her first name, but Mrs. Ford, the owner of the uh, Lions, asked the players of the Detroit Lions not to kneel. And in exchange, she would um, give to whatever cause they asked her to. I think that that is progress in the way that I think this protest would like to see. And, and I think that's a little bit like she's kind of exemplifying kind of John's point um, that, you know, this is what this means to me. So I'd appreciate if you didn't do that. But here I'm still willing to support your cause and, and like the 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 big issue here, the real big issue here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really cool. Right. She she's... I, is that kind of what you're saying, John? Did I misrepresent you? Oh no 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 no! no. It it's just it, it I don't know. This it's it's one of these things where you know you, we can talk about this raising awareness and, I, and look, Kaepernick doesn't do a bad job at all. I think the one thing that can be an issue, um, you know, I think he really would have been signed by the Ravens. I think had not um, some people tried to talk about. Uh, how unfair it was that the Ravens hadn't signed him immediately in, by, by way of his girlfriend. I, I think Kaepernick has kind of been shot in the foot, be, and, and I think the implication that he's being blacklisted from the NFL, I don't think really holds that much water, especially when you look at the Ravens situation. Um, I think they were more than willing to sign him, and in the words of, you know, Ray Lewis said this, you know, the Ravens would have hired him had not his girlfriend gone out and made these statements against the owner. Like, come on. Um, I think the other issue, too, is who we are when we get to talk about it. Um, you know, I, I talked about this with pacifism. I'm going to talk about it again with with this subject. I There is a lot here in the undercurrent that I want to protect both sides. Um, you know, I've, I've heard statements like, well, you know, they make more money in four weeks than I make in a year. That's a tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, you ask that question, when do people stop kneeling? I don't think we can ever stop kneeling. Hmm. Be- 
because I think there's always going to be injustice and I don't think it's That's what always, I was getting at. You know, like, yeah, no, and I don't think it's always going to be against one group or the other. You know, I... Exactly. And, and that's so tough. That That's tough to stomach in more ways than one. And that's... It's tough to watch. It's tough to watch that we really want to pretend like it's okay in the sense of, of we keep on standing because we feel like if we keep on standing somehow it'll all be okay and I think when they kneel they don't think it's okay but I don't think they always realize what it means to say nothing is okay I don't think anyone here grasps completely what they're saying or why they're saying it or what they're going to be saying yeah, that's that's not easy. I think poor whites are in as much trouble as poor blacks are. And I think this is something that connects to poor blacks, but I don't think it really connects to poor whites. And I think you see the vitriol reaction from what people, I think, have deemed as racist individuals being this populace of poor whites, and I think it's because poor whites really know that something's wrong. But in the way that things have worked, you know, they have been oppressed in a very different way. Um, they've been oppressed in a way that all you have to do is work hard enough and somehow you get to our level and what they secretly know is that they'll never get to that level, but the rich people continue to say that they can. So that's that's really tough for me and, and, and I don't mean to bring that to the surface, but I think that's the only perspective that I really have much to say on because I'm not I'm not a Black Lives Matter activist I have not seen the oppression that they have seen you know like there, there's just very little for me to sort of comment and dialogue with there but there's a lot for me to dialogue with poor whites and to acknowledge that they have been had they foot on their heads for a very long time as well and I think what would really help would really help the kneeling and standing debate is if someone said, you know, we're not just kneeling for black people. We're kneeling for everybody who hurts and is oppressed. You know, like, like that would be a different statement. And I think you'd see public opinion start to turn. I, I think the numbers the numbers shock me when you look at poll numbers of black versus white on this issue. That's tough. But I think if someone actually got up and said, no, what I'm kneeling for is I'm kneeling for the fact that we have a lot of oppressed people, black and white, and all other skin, all other colors. Well, I think Native Americans, their narrative needs to be brought up. They continue to deal with... Cis it's about time. No, I mean... But as, as the Redskins players kneel during the national anthem, uh, the Redskins are still the Redskins. Exactly, and but they deal with with alcoholism. They deal with there are so many issues in the Native American community that really need to be addressed. Like I wish someone would actually say, "Yeah, I'm doing this for everybody who hurts," all the way from the factory workers who aren't making enough to send their kids to school, you know, to send their kids to higher education, and. Really, what they're being told is, yeah, there's kind of a glass ceiling that your kid can only do. Like, 
that that's not easy. But if someone said, "Look, I'm kneeling for them," it it, it man, I I really want that to be the story. If we're gonna kneel, let's kneel and keep on kneeling and never stop kneeling. I mean, I I agree with you. The system is broken. Um, it's keeping the poor poor and keeping the rich rich. Um, but the difference, I think, in it's hard to talk about this as a white guy that has experienced privilege all his life, but I think the difference in different groups' version of oppression is white people are facing a um, a heroin epidemic right now. Um, Native Americans, like you brought up, have alcoholism or whatever, which might be a stereotype. Whatever. No. Okay, it's not. No, that is still happening. So, like, isn't that shocking? Okay. Um, but no one's injecting... Do you inject heroin? Is that, is that a... You can yes. inject anything. Yes, 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 okay, yes. can you inject pot? You can inject anything. Okay. You can, but well, no one straight really straight does HTC, that. I guess. Yeah. But uh, no one's taking a white person's arm and injecting it with heroin um, against their will. People are... Um, being shot and killed in the black community. Um, so while there is a problem in each different community, in our bigger community as a whole, um, there is a very specific problem that can be um, addressed and changed and altered by people in power. Yeah, yeah. It's just... I don't have that story to dialogue with. I can say that's awesome, but I don't have that story to dialogue with. And that's not a bad thing. It's just something I don't know that I can speak to 100%. You know, and I, I think part of the protest is um, it's not your story that you can dialogue with, but these players are trying to make you aware of the story. It's like I didn't... Uh, live in a southern town and go on a uh, raft down the river with um, a, a grown man and my name isn't Huck Finn but I've read that story uh, because somebody presented it to me and I, I think sometimes people when they try to raise awareness I think they assume that people are really stupid and that can be a difficult reality um I honestly, I, I think things like these, there's a reason why it works that way. In, not like how this happens, but for example, the Trump presidency, I think there's a reason why he won and why people showed up to vote for him. Because there are a group of people being oppressed in a different way than the black community has been. And currently they're saying, don't forget about us. And so... We're, we have two hurt sides yelling at each other. So I feel like we're arguing um, kind of like I think you mentioned earlier the, we're, we're both arguing that things are broken. Yeah. Um, and you said that we want the government to change things. But I th think sure it's the government's job to run the country. Um, and to oversee things but I think it's also the job of the church to participate in changing things 
Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Um, how do we do that? Uh, we need to not be the most... <laughs> Dustin's big question. <laughs> I think we need to stop being the most segregated... You know, Sunday needs to stop being the most segregated day of the, of the week. Not talking about the NFL. Yeah, like... You know, it, it starts with moments like that. Like, we've turned church into a into a consumer system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they, poor people go to poor church. Rich people go to rich people church. White people go to white people church. Black people go to black people church. You know, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. I once um, worked with a church in the greater Houston area um, that had a Spanish-speaking service. Um, except that Spanish-speaking service was more like a Spanish-speaking congregation that the English-speaking congregation congregation hosted. Um, they, the Spanish-speaking congregation had no um, leadership other than their Spanish-speaking minister. Um, the eldership of the white-speaking congregation was supposedly... Um, the leadership of the Spanish-speaking congregation as well. Um, that doesn't... It doesn't work. It, you can't be one church when you don't... They, they never mixed with one another. Um, Spanish-speaking members did not attend the activities of the English-speaking uh, congregation. Um, so they claim to be one church... But they weren't, and I think that's a problem church-wide, uh, in all denominations. Speaking of denominations, um, that's a, a a separation that um, ultimately will always exist. But ne- there needs to be respectful um, dialogue between congregations. I think. Um, we need to realize, not congregations, uh, denominations. I think we need to realize that while we do things differently and things like that, and that'll never change, we are the church. We are God's kingdom. And we need to work for uh, work towards reconciliation as a whole um, past those denominational lines. That sounds really good when you talk about it doesn't really happen yeah it's it's really hard because we've really made Christendom about a rule following system mm. you know like if you're not following the same rules it's really easy to get bent out of shape about things you know like you know we've got some students here that have like reformed theology which I, I don't agree at all with reformed theology you know but you know, when it's difficult to have a conversation with a group of people who are exclusive by their own theological nature. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. Um, I have a problem uh, whenever whenever someone brings up, uh, oh, I, I was saved when I said the sinner's prayer. And even if I don't outwardly do it, I internally roll my eyes. Um, and that's a problem with me. Um, and we all have those hang-ups, I think, that we need to get over and get around so we can 
uh, be ministers of reconciliation. But change doesn't happen, so all is gloom and doom. So Matt's texting right now, and John is doing something with his feet. I'm waiting for you to transition to the CPC because I got things to say. Oh, <laughs> I was just used to you jumping in. I didn't. Okay. Well, no, we got theme music for it. Right. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, and now, can you take a bigger break than uh? And now, let's <laughs> say one. And now, live from somewhere in the great white north, but really in Michigan, Matt Bros, our Canadian perspective correspondent. That's right, Dustin. Well, let, let me see. We got the. I don't know. <laughs> So How's the maple syrup? We've never done this before. No, yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to talk about? Uh, you said you had things to say. I know, but I don't know if they're the right things to say. Like, is it is the CPC supposed to be in response to this issue that we've brought up? Mm-hmm. I, I, that's how I imagined it. So, I have a question for you okay. as our Canadian perspective correspondent. Matt's sweet mate just got in the shower. Uh, this... Our Shout Canadian out to showers. Our Canadian perspective correspondent segment is brought need to, to you. clean showers. I was doing it, John. Yeah. All it's right. Kind of my job. He's <laughs> the PR guy. Um, is there a sense of uh, nationalism? And did he turn the shower off? You can shower, man. Okay. Um. Is there a sense of uh, idol? Idol? Mm, I do this every time. Idol? Mm. Do you worship your country in Canada? Um, do you idolize Canada? There are people who do, um, but Canada is really different because religion and politics are not wrapped up like they are here. Uh, sounds heavenly. So um, this idea of Christian nationalism is brand spanking new to me. Uh, Welcome. Uh, and it's been uh, it's been a crazy four years. Let me tell you. Um, so soon to be four and a half. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Um, so, so yeah, like I, I tell this to people all the time. Like, church is so much different in Canada. Um, so so yeah, like does that kind of answer your question? Like. I guess I don't remember your question, so so pe- like people never put their patriotism above their religion. Not in the or same don't way. equate it. Not in the same way. No. Okay. There are people who are really patriotic, and there are a lot of people who are like, "Yeah, we're Canada. Don't call me an American," when they're in like England or whatever. Right. Like, oh, Americans. Well, I'm Canadian. I would like to when I'm in England because I go there all the time. England is my city. Uh, I, I would like to tell people, no, don't call me an American. I'm an Ohioan. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so this whole conversation is, is new for me, mm-hmm. I guess I would say. Um, and sure, I guess there's 
benefits to a group of people supporting Christian values, but uh, it's really dangerous if your um, nation says that they're the Christian nation. It's really dangerous. Really, um, really, really dangerous. Um, yeah. So, I'm sure you're you're interested in in our Canadian news. Oh yeah, totally. Because uh, that's part of the CPC. I got. I've been up north. I've been I've been living, right? Right. And now I'm here and I'm reporting to you what I've lived. Really bring out your accent. What I've when lived. you report this news. <laughs> it's gone, man. It's I not gone. I can't bring it back. Well, then just do it like I do it. <laughs> I don't... Bad and very stereotypically. stereotypically. So, government in Canada is weird. Hey. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Um, it's a parliamentary parliamentary system. Yeah, so, and we have, th- instead of two parties, we have three major parties. I'd like four in the U.S., personally. <laughs> Um, now, mind you, it, it's as far as the federal government goes, it's pretty much just the two that, that go back to back. They're actually called the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party. That would make things a lot more. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, uh, so when people call me a, actually call me a liberal, they would, they'd probably yeah. be right. And I, and I bring this up because we were just talking about um, Muslims getting mistaken for Sikhs. Right. Um, because the 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 new Democratic Party of Canada, um, which is the third kind of the ter- third tier party, um, and probably will never win. Uh, I wouldn't say never, but probably won't win a federal election. They just uh, got a new leader, and the leader is a Sikh dude, and that's, that's, sick. that's pretty sick. Yeah, that's a sick. <laughs> Actually, Sikh. I've heard that it's supposed to be pronounced more like Sikh, and less like Sikh. I wish I wouldn't have known that before I tried to make my fun. <laughs> That's what I was told anyways. Um, yeah, his... Uh, Somebody should tell Dr. Huey and Dr. Barton. <laughs> I might be wrong. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've talked to real Sikhs. Real Sikhs. R- real Sikhs. Uh, and it's probably an accent thing. Like, we've got a really, like, white accent. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> a- anyways, uh, yeah, he... he uh, his name is Jagmeet Singh, and he just won this 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 election. Jagmeet Singh. Jagmeet Singh. Um, okay. He probably the thing that won him the what you would call a primary. Uh, we wouldn't call it a primary. Um, we would just say, uh, you know, a party elect, party hmm. election. Um, the thing that probably won it for him uh, was he was holding this news conference, and there was this lady who got up and you know got right in his face like while he's like holding this conference answering Q&A yeah and she was yelling and swearing at him and calling him a stupid Muslim and um, just spewing hate towards him and he didn't even once I'll let you get to the good part yeah but he didn't even once like correct her no no on his uh, religion no Uh, so yeah he um and, and and I thought like watching like I saw the header of this video. Oh, this is gonna be super cringy because there's just gonna be this lady who's yelling at this dude who's trying to speak, and she's gonna be trying to ignore him and mm-hmm. or ignore her and just continue the conversation. But he actually like looked her in the eyes and like tried to have a conversation with her and talked about 
um, love mm-hmm. and talked about courage, which I think is his campaign slogan, love and courage. I don't know. It's something like that. Um, courage and love. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, and I thought that was pretty cool. And talked about how he loved this woman and how she, she was equal. Um, even though she was spewing hate and race racist things in his face. Uh, he said afterwards, yeah, um, I'm not a Muslim. I'm a Sikh. But I didn't say that to her. I didn't correct her. Because if I was a Muslim, it doesn't make it any less wrong. Like What's his name? Jagmeet Singh. 2020. 20, wait, when's the next election? 2019. No, next U.S. election. Oh. 2020, isn't it? Yeah. He's Canadian, you know. I don't right? care. <laughs> What's a constitution anyway? If, if the Trump presidency has taught me anything, <laughs> the constitution doesn't matter. I think the CPC's gone long enough. I, so I'll, I, stop, I'll stop making you drool over our politicians. <sighs> Justin Trudeau, the Sikh dude. It's, it's funny because oh. our, our old prime minister, when he was campaigning against Trudeau, he was saying, he's just not ready. That was his big slogan. He's just not ready. Because Justin's like 39, 40 or something. Mm-hmm. And Harper uh, is older, obviously. And mm-hmm. he was prime minister for years and years and years. Um, and Trudeau won, obviously. And what's funny is that the other two parties' leaders are now younger than Trudeau. That's so this next so this next election, I think Trudeau should... should his slogan should be, they're just not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just want to hang out with, like... Justin and Jagmeet and Barack. <laughs> I think it'd be a fun time. And you know, I think I'd be the ugliest dude in the room, too. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's fine. They're good looking guys. All three of them. Yeah. You are fake news. You, you, you are fake news. Fake news. Fake news. So the Onion, um, one of our most trusted sources in fake news. Um, every time there is a mass shooting or public shooting of some sort, um, they publish this headline with different details from that specific shooting. It says, uh, "No way to prevent this." It says only nation where this happens regularly, or regularly happens rather. Um, I wasn't expecting The Onion to be so real, and I think real is the only word I can use to for this. Um, so mo- they most recently uh, published this headline uh, for the Las Vegas shooting um, on the 2nd. They originally used the uh, headline in 2014 uh, for a shooting in California. Um, And then in 2015, a couple times in 2015. Um, But they've used it so many times, I think that um, only adds truth to uh, their satirical headline. 
in just a couple weeks, there have been two mass shootings. Um, and in the past few years, um, too many mass shootings. Um, I think more in a short amount of time than any other amount of time in our country's history. Um, the first of the more recent shootings hits close to home for um, for the three of us, I think, uh, because it was a Church of Christ uh, that um, experienced the shooting, and all three of us are from uh, that faith background. Um, somebody at my congregation actually know someone that attends that church. Um, and that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, like, um, I, I guess. Um, but what are we doing? Um, no way to prevent this, says only nation where this regularly happens. Australia had a mass shooting uh, in recent history, and they did something about it. Um, and they haven't had any sense. I'm not saying that we need to take all guns away. I don't know. Maybe I am. But something. I don't. What I'm saying is something needs to happen. Um, there are ways to prevent this. Uh, but how do we prevent it? We, we we keep talking about other oh, countries don't do it. Other oh, countries don't do it. Yeah, I don't understand a word of that. I get that it doesn't happen in other countries, but we are the United States. You know, we do have a state level. We do have a federal system that no other government really deals with on the complexity that we deal with it. Um, yeah, you want to talk about states like Massachusetts that did something about it? Sure. You want to talk about states that keep doing something about it? Sure. Um, that's fine. The problem is they keep on happening, and the answer, the obvious conclusion would be, oh, we just need more gun solutions. The real issue is, is that it ha keeps happening in places that don't have super loose gun laws. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, man, I, I don't know what to do with it, because I, I don't think gun laws are the answer... But I really am tired of ignoring it. Yeah, but it kind of does seem like whenever there is um, a shooting, that oh, it happens. This sucks. Oh, let's pray for those involved. Thoughts and prayers. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we ignore it. Yeah, and and you know that's, I don't, I, I just don't have a good answer for this, and I hate that people are like, well, other countries do that. Other countries don't deal with the federal system. The countries don't deal with 50 other little countries. You know, that that's just such a tough... It's so tough for me to get on a soapbox about this because we deal with something that is so incredibly complex. Just how we are structured. It's so difficult to enforce anything. And, like, that's just such a difficult place for me to get up on it and to be like, yes, this is a do this, do that. I don't have a good answer because I can tell you what, especially with that Antioch shooting, yeah, I'm really sad that a guy had a gun and decided he was going to kill people, but I'm really thankful 
for that guy who also happened to have a gun and was able to go get it. That's tough. And I don't have a good answer for it. And all I'm doing is circling around the point. But I'm circling around the point because I think when we get to the end of the conclusion and we ban all sorts of things and we find out that bans don't work, then we actually have to start asking real questions like, why do people want to commit violence against each other? Especially here. You know, why would this guy... This case is weird. Especially this Las Vegas case. Like, things are getting weird with this case. Like, I, he routed $100,000 into some bank in the Philippines. Like, you know, like, things are getting weird with this one. I noticed, um... It's Facebook, so take it for what you will. But, um... He was reported as having been on the 32nd floor of his hotel. And then there's a video of the gun flashes coming from a hotel room that was on a much lower floor. So there's a weird thing. Somebody else pointed out that an NBC News crew was staying at the same hotel as the shooter. Um, And he pointed out that NBC doesn't really cover music festivals, so why would they be there? Um, Did you say that Bush did 9-11? 9-11 happened as a result of uh, the U.S. being involved in foreign affairs that they probably shouldn't have been involved in. Yeah, it just, it, it's tough. Like this case, Started way before Bush. This, <laughs> right. Probably with the other Bush. But this, before that. Oh. Okay. This case is just way too weird for me to be like, oh, this is why he did it. So there's just, you know, like it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder as it goes. So like, oh, it was because he had a mental illness. Man, or, you know, the weird conclusion is... said with heavy heart sarcasm. Is that someone paid him to do this you know and you're like like this is weird you know we're at that point mm-hmm. and i don't know i just i'm I, i'm tired of the binary gun control debate mm-hmm. i'm really tired of it because it seems to never solve a problem it's the same thing with the racism debate if you legislate racism you know like if you legislate the racism out of people you're never going to mm-hmm. we tried that with the 60s hey the experiment didn't work Civil Rights Bill of 1964 changed things, but it never equalized things. To kind of refocus, um, I want to ask, how does the church respond, especially when one of these shootings was an attack on a church? How does the church respond to these situations? I do not respond like the blaze. I don't want to know how the blaze responded. The blazes. I said I don't want. I don't want to know. How do we be the hands and feet of God in this situation? We don't have to have an answer uh, this time, um, but I think that's uh, just something for us to think about, um, both the three of us and those of you listening. The other three of us. <laughs> the other three. So Peyton, sometimes Jess. Uh, your mom out. has your mom listened yet? No, she. <laughs> so my parents came up to visit this weekend, yeah. and um, my mom was like, "I was telling her that I had to come here to record," and she's like, "Oh, you should send me a link so I can watch it or listen to it or whatever you do with it. I don't know what you do with it." It's like, "Okay, mom, I will, I will send you the YouTube link." 
Is that what you just call all links? No. <laughs> Can you link me to that article? Yeah, here's the YouTube link. <laughs> I, I don't think my mom gets on YouTube. We got some shoutouts. Shoutouts. Um, once again, I'd like to thank Amber for uh, making our uh, sick profile pic. So, uh, thanks, Amber. <laughs> so, follow us on Twitter at uh, OVO underscore podcast. And if you'd like to get at us about this episode or for future episodes, use the hashtag OVO podcast. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter individually, I am at Dust McMillan. John is at... J underscore T H O N at twenty twelve. And Matt, you are at Matt Burrows twelve. Matt Burrows twelve. Alright, well, thanks for listening and I uh, hope t- that you listen to us uh, next time. Same place as always. Bye, 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 bye. Oh, bye.